Oh, so thank you so much for worshiping with us. Merry Christmas to you, Bethlehem Church, across all of our campus, the OC, Oconee County 211, one church, uh, many rooms, one church, many locations, one house, many rooms, 211 Oconee. We're glad you're with us. Uh, our friends on island, glad you're with us. If you're with us here in the north, if you're in the south, if you're in a lobby, we are glad you are here. And this time next year at 316, we'll have a brand new facility. And so uh, we'll have more room <laughs> uh, by God's grace. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Isn't that the way the song goes? Isn't that the way the statement that we make this time of year is? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Family, friends, food, right? There's gifts. There's no school. Can I get a witness in the house, right? Santa is, is, is on his way. There's an elf that's running around weird in your house on the shelf. There's just all kinds of things happening at Christmas. It is the most wonderful time of the year. It's the magic of Christmas. It's the spirit of the holiday. Love is in the air and yes to all of it. Why? Because there is no more time of year that we make memories. Think about it, some of you adults in this room. There's no more time of year that we make memories than we do around the Christmas season. Think about your memories. Some of you may, you can remember the time you got your most like the gift that just blew you away, your favorite gift. You remember that Christmas when you got it. And maybe for some of you kids, it's going to be this Christmas, just in a few hours, right? In a few moments, that Christmas, it's going to be your favorite gift. Or, or maybe it was a gift that most surprised you. You didn't see it coming. You didn't expect it. And you got it at Christmas. For good or bad, it surprised you. You know what I mean? For good or bad, it surprised you. And there's food, and there's dessert, and there's candy, and there's just things that happen that we eat at the holidays that we eat no other time. I mean, I'm a big Christmas guy. I love the candy. You ever heard of Buckeyes? You know what I'm talking about there? I'm not talking about Ohio State, first of all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the chocolate covered with peanut butter in the middle. Can I get a witness, right? Those things are redeemed in heaven and good for you there. I mean, they'll kill you here and take you to heaven fast, but they're good in heaven, okay? But I love them. Or maybe you're like me, and maybe your favorite memories are your time you got with your extended family. I can remember growing up, we would go to my grandmother. She's 93 now. I went and saw her today, uh, just this Christmas, and, and spent some time with her. And I went up there, and we would gather together, all my aunts and my uncles and my cousins, and we'd sit around, before we could open presents, my dad, who was a pastor, he would come up and he would read Luke chapter two. And he would dress up as a different Christmas character. One year he'd be a shepherd. One year he'd be a wise man. One year he got crazy and he dressed up as Santa and would read the Christmas story from Luke two to us. And, and when we were little, we're like, man, this is unbelievable. This is so great. This is so wonderful. And we got to be teenagers and we're like, okay. Move on out of the way, old man. Let's get to the presents. You know what I mean? That's what we're here for. But it was my family's way of reminding us what Christmas is all about. Isn't it funny that people 11 months of the year may not think about the things of God very much, may not consider God at all 11 months of the year, but isn't it interesting that this time of year you are confronted with the message, the means 
and the person of Christmas, that is Jesus Christ. And I don't know if you're here and you're a faithful Jesus follower, or maybe you're somebody on the fringe trying to figure out where you stand, or maybe you're here because your family's been bugging you forever. You're coming with us on Christmas, and that's why you're here. But what I do know, it's my guess that you have come close and you have read or you have heard the Christmas accounts. In fact, just for a moment, if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 2, across all of our campuses, and in honor of the reading of God's Word, I'm going to ask for all of us across all of our campus to stand for a moment, and I'm going to read Luke chapter 2. This is the Christmas account in the Gospel of Luke, the what Christmas is all about. In those days, verse 1, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Notice he's given us a very specific time. He's grounding Jesus in history. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him as when he was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time for the baby to be born came. And she gave birth to the firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, do not be afraid, because I bring to you good news that will cause great Joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This is God's word to us. This is God's word for us. You can be seated. This is the Christmas account. The what? You know it is this, the nativity scene. There's Joseph. You probably have one on your coffee table. You've got a picture that comes out this time of year. You sit it on a Christmas card. There's Joseph and there's Mary's. There's shepherd. There's a manger. There's animals. This is all happening. See, the what of Christmas is the birth of Christ. We've been talking about love came down. That's what we've been talking about at Bethlehem Church for the last few weeks, our Christmas series. That love came down. Jesus, God became man and came to us. But here's the question. If he's God, he could have shouted his love to us from heaven. The what Christmas is all about is the birth of Christ. But here's the question that we really need to wrestle with. Why? If he's God, he could have shouted how much he loved us from heaven. He's the God of the universe, the sovereign God of all. Why did he have to come? See, we'll make sure you get this. Christmas, the Christmas story is not a once upon a time story. You know those stories, don't you? Once upon a time in a land far, far away. That's not what the Christmas story is. The Christmas accounts in Matthew and Luke are grounded in history. They're not Aesop's fables. If you remember growing up in school, random fables that you would come by, expiring examples of how we should live. Think about it like this. There is no moral to the story of the nativity scene. Like the shepherds and the wise men, the whole point is not those guys, hey, go be like them. Like sometimes the Christian faith for some of us becomes moralism. That's what we think. And so at Christmas, you know what we're reminded, kids? Be kind and be good because God wants you to. 
Come on. That's not what the Christmas story is all about. Right? And be kind and considerate and be a good person. Oh, shucks, man. Look, the wise men and the shepherds could be good. So can you too. Go try and have a good year and do better than you did last year. It's not what the Christmas story is about. The Christmas story, the message is that you need to be a good person because there's a God out there. Make sure you get this. Right? The first 16 verses in the Gospel of Matthew are a genealogy. I'm a pastor. Let me tell you what a genealogy is. It's a family tree. It's tough sledding. <laughs> to read, what do you mean? There's these ancient Jewish family names. It's what, why that is, is because it's grounding Jesus in history. My friends, Jesus isn't a metaphor. He's a real person. He's a real person. The why of Christmas, if I can tell you this, my friends, can I tell you why? What Christmas is all about? Jesus, God coming to this planet. Why? Because you don't save yourself. God has come to save you. That is the hope. She will bear a son. And you'll give him that, you will give him the name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, Christ, who is the Lord. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was born in the little town of Bethlehem. And the whole globe, 2,000 years, think about it, still reverberates from that one birth. In fact, one of my favorite authors, Philip Yancey, here's the way he says it. You can gauge the size of a ship that has passed out of sight by the huge wake that it leaves behind. Think about that for a second. You can gauge the size of a ship if you're out on the water that has passed by by the size of the wake it leaves behind. Can we for a second consider the wake of Jesus Christ? He was born in a small, obscure village of somewhat questionable repute. He was the child of a peasant woman. He didn't go to high school nor college. In fact, he never went further than 200 miles from the place he was born. He did not hold public office. He never wrote a book. In fact, when he was 33 years old, the tide of public opinion turned against him. Even his closest friends abandoned him. He was turned over to Roman officials and was nailed to a wooden cross between two criminals. His executioners at his death were gambling for his clothes, the only thing that he owned on planet earth. Yet the center, he was then buried in a borrowed grave. That is this Jesus. Yet he's the centerpiece of the Christian faith. And the centerpiece of the Christian faith is he is no longer in a borrowed grave. Three days later, he rose again. Why do I say that? To this very day, and I don't know where you're at in your faith. To this very day, Jesus is arguably the central figure in human history. The central figure. Think about it. Our sense of time globally, Muslims, Hindus, Jews, agnostics, atheists, Americans, Europeans, Chinese, everybody's sense of time rests on his birth. Do you realize this? We live in the year 2023 AD. Right? Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. Before Christ, everything was known as B.C. My friends, when time sets still and changes because of you, that's a reverberation. That's a huge wake that you leave. The what of Christmas? Christ is born. 
The why of Christmas is God has come to save us because we cannot save ourselves. And if Christmas commemorates the day and the way in which God has come to save us, here's the question that has to be asked. How? How does all this work? Like, like this idea, like God came down for what Christmas is all about. God came down. Why? We cannot save ourselves. He's come to save. Well, then how does it work? How does this look? Just try to be a good person to have faith? No, hold on. Galatians 4. That's not a Christmas verse, but Paul talks about the gospel. He talks about what Jesus came to do and how it set everything in history on its head. Here's what Paul says about Christmas, this birth of Christ. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive, that's a big word we're going to come back to in a second, adoption to sonship, right, to daughtership. So let me break this down. How? How does this all work? I don't know what you believe. I'm not even sure you know what you believe. But at Christmas, can I remind you? But when the set time had fully come, our God's timing is perfect. Right, what does that mean? Maybe some of you across all of our campuses need to be reminded of that this Christmas. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what's happening in your life and your health, but God's timing is perfect. What do you mean by that? His timing is perfect. Here's what I've learned. He is rarely early. Sorry. He's rarely early. He is never late, but he is always right on time. When the time had come, fully come, God sent his son, for God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He was born of a woman. What does that mean? We were not like him, so he became like us. We could not get to God on our own, so God came for us. He put on human skin and dwelt among us is what we call the incarnation. Now, we're all different in this room. We're all different across all of our campuses. We all celebrate Christmas differently. But can I tell you something that's common about every person in all of our campuses and all of our rooms? Can I tell you what's common right quick? You got here Right here, in these moments, all the same way. You're like, no, man, I'm parked in a really bad place. <laughs> and I sat in traffic, right, and we came from a different house. No, I'm not talking about here, in this room. I'm talking about here sucking oxygen. I'm talking about here breathing. You know how every person in this room got here? You were born of a woman. You know what you call her? Mom. You know what mom said to you, just like my mom said to me, son, Jason Britt, I brought you into this world and I can take you out, right? You are with me. To be human means you are born of a woman. Church, God became like us. Born under the law to redeem those under the law. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God's kindness, God, the Bible says he's written the law on our hearts. What do you mean? Shown us what is good and evil. Shown us what is right and wrong. Shown us what is true and lies. The problem in our culture is not a confusion over good and evil and right and wrong. We have a knowledge. The problem is we don't have the power in and of ourselves to do it. 
We don't over and over do what's right. So Jesus lived a perfect life. He upheld the law. In fact, Jesus' own words when he came is, I did not come to abolish the law, but uphold the law. Jesus lived the perfect life and did what we could not do. In fact, he invited us to follow him, which means not just to pray some random prayer so you don't go to this hot place called hell. But he actually said, follow me and invited us to live in the kingdom. And for those who were lost and seeking now and in the time of Jesus, the message of Jesus has been hope. But listen to me. For those of comfort and power and privilege, right, and deep-held religious moralism, let me tell you the people I'm talking to, we are people of comfort and power and privilege compared to the rest of the world. For people like that, oftentimes, Jesus was a threat. Why? Because the idea that you're not good enough to get to God on your own is an insult to many people. But yet Jesus still bore the penalty of our sin, and he went to the cross and became our substitute, taking our place, living the life we couldn't live, dying the death we deserved to die, and then he rose again on the third day. And here's what Paul says, that we might receive adoption to sonship. John says it like this, to all who believed and accepted Jesus, he gave the right to become the children of God, I want you to hold on real quick. Don't miss that word because here's where most people miss the power of the gospel. Do not miss the word adoption. To be adopted is to be invited into a family that you did not start in. To be invited in is to belong to a family that maybe you didn't start in. Now, culturally, let me push you a little bit here. I don't know what your faith background is. Here's what people will say. Well, aren't we, can't we all just get along because aren't we all God's children? It doesn't matter what you believe. After all, we're all God's children. Do you know that's not what the Bible teaches? What? Sounds good. <laughs> it's just not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches we're all created in the image of God. He's our creator, but because of sin, we're on the outside of relationship with him. And we don't earn adoption, we receive adoption. We don't earn our way in. We don't look and go, boy, I've done more good than bad, and I'm a better person than him, and I'm an American, and I'm this. No, no, no. We receive adoption by what? By placing our faith in Jesus Christ. There's no more beautiful picture of the gospel. There's no more beautiful picture of the gospel than that picture of adoption. And I don't know if you've ever been around, or maybe you're someone who is adopted, but it's the mirror of God's heart to us. Adoption is a love that chooses, a love that isn't obligated. Adoption is a love that values someone on the outside and invites them inside. Adoption, listen to me, church, is a love that willingly sacrifices. Adoption is a love that chooses hard. It's a one-time parental decision to bring a child in, to bring someone in that is not based on the behavior that fluctuates of that child. Ooh, I just said something there. Adoption, that's what Paul said Jesus did for us when he came, is a one-time parental decision, our Heavenly Father's decision to invite us in and thank God it's not based on our behavior. It's not based on our behavior. And there's this beauty and this weight that is adoption. 
And we have a growing fostering and adoption families around our church. They're some of the most inspiring people I get to be around. My wife and I love watching them open their homes. In fact, I sat down with some families that are in the midst of this right now. Adopting and fostering, because I think it's such a powerful word and a beautiful picture. And I asked them, in fact, this January, you're going to hear, you're going to hear all the stories of what God's doing and how God led them. But I sat down with a few families a few weeks ago, and I said, tell me the beauty and the weight of this word adoption. The beauty and the weight. This is just a snippet because I wanted you to hear this idea that Paul says what happened at Christmas when God came and he invited us, adopted us in. The beauty and weight of this word. Check out some families that have chosen to walk this path. We have invited hard into our home, into our family. Um, and I think sometimes love is hard. Like, I look at Jesus and what he did for us, the cross and the sacrifice. Like, that was, that was hard. Um, but he did it out of obedience. He did it out of love for us. And so for Teresa and I, like us opening up our home, we're saying we're inviting that hard. We're inviting that difficult um, into our home because it's worth it. Mm. Uh, because the love that we get to experience with our foster child and our biological sons, um, like it, it shows them a love that they wouldn't get anywhere else. But when when they see a, a mom and dad that are literally going, hey, we're going to invite another child into this home that's coming from a really, really difficult situation and environment, and we're going to give them a healthy environment, that shows our, our biological sons, Josiah and Asher, how much we truly love this child and I think also love Jesus yeah. and are trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus to this child. That's good. Um, I really think God teed us up uh, for that year because that year of 2020, sure, we that was our word for our family was obedience. Yeah. Um, when she came to me and told me, you know, that she's really feeling like God laid it on her heart about fostering, um, I'm like, let's do it. Mm. Let's do it. Um, and since then, I mean, it's it's had ups and downs, of sure. course, uh, but it's truly has been a blessing, and just choosing to foster um, instead of feeling obligated. Um, it's really been a big thing for me. Yeah. Um, I, I choose to foster. Yeah. I don't feel obligated. Um, am I doing this for, uh, to be a spot in a spotlight? I'm doing this for these kids because mm. they need somebody. This is an exact picture of what the Lord did for us. Yeah. And I'm like, it is no different. We are adopted in Christ. Yeah. Now I want you to hear, they just preached the Christmas message right there. Here's what Joseph said. Love is hard. It's hard. We look at the Christmas story and the beauty of the manger and the tiffany and go, oh, it's tranquil, that holy night. Isn't it beautiful and sweet and the angels, it's beautiful. My friends, God was making a hard choice because the baby in a manger would become the king on a cross. Love's hard. 
He endured the scorn and the pain and the shame of sin that he did not choose for us. And so when you look at the Christmas picture, it's like, man, what a beautiful, just reminds us of God's love. Here's what I want you to remember. The baby in a manger became the king on the cross. Love's hard. I love what Tyler said. Here's what he said. This is so big. We're not obligated to these children. We choose them. I want everybody to look at me. God is not obligated to you, my friends. I don't know what America you live in where everything you're owed. The sovereign God of this universe, my friends, he does not owe you one thing. Your family isn't owed by the holy God of this universe. You know that, don't you? God doesn't owe you anything. But can I say this to you? God chooses you. God loves you. And God sent his son. He didn't have to. He's God. But in his love, he chose and came for you. And I love what Caitlin said. It is the picture of the gospel. The Christ child made a way for us to be brought into the family of God. Do you see it, church? What? Is Christmas all about the birth of Christ? Why is Christmas? Because we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't make ourselves right with God. You can't do enough. You can't know enough. You needed salvation. How? God became a man born of a woman. Under the law, he did what we could not do. Lived a perfect life. Died as our substitute and rose again victoriously the third day. That's how. So can I ask you this last question, my friend? When have you chosen to follow him? When in your time, in your life, have you made the choice to follow him? Well, I was christened. That's not what I'm asking. Well, I was baptized. That's not the question I just said. Well, I was raised. I didn't ask that. I'm asking this Christmas, when? When's there been a time? The Bible says that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Because in that moment, then you are saved. It's repenting, it's turning and choosing to follow Jesus. Has there been the moment where you've said yes? I'm not asking if you got religion in your bones. I'm not asking if you know the story of David and Goliath. I'm not asking if you're a good person that votes the right way and thinks that you're pretty good compared to most people. I'm asking, has there been a time when you've taken the trust off of yourself and placed it onto Jesus Christ? That, my friends, is the beauty of Christmas. While we were at our worst, God gave us his very best. That is the gift of Jesus at Christmas. In just a moment, our campus pastors across all of our campuses at Bethlehem Church are going to give some of us the chance to respond. And by respond, confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Campus pastors, you can take it now. And if you're here with me at 316, in the north or the south venue. Will you pray with me for a moment? When? Has there been a moment in your life, there's been a time in your life when you've taken your trust off of yourself and you've placed it onto Jesus? The Bible says God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What is Christmas all about? The birth of Christ. 
Why? We couldn't save ourselves. You can't be a good enough person. You can't feel bad enough about the things you've done to make yourself right with God. You have to place your faith in Jesus. And it's he alone that is our salvation. How? He lived a perfect life, died a brutal death, and he rose three days later, and he reigns victoriously. And it's by grace you are saved through faith. When? For some of you with many head bowed, nice clothes, I, I want to lead you because there's never been that moment, and it's abundantly clear to you and you know, in, in both the North and South venue, if that's you, nobody's looking around, just you and I, but you can look up just at me for a second. I want to lead you in a prayer, and the prayer's on the screen. This prayer is not a magic prayer, but your heart's pounding right now, and it's not because you're starving. It's not because the room's full. It's because the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. You've been locked in the whole time. I've been in a lot of Christmas service. This service has been locked in the whole time. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in this room. Some of us, this is our chance, just like many began their journey last night by saying yes to Jesus. I'd love to lead you in this prayer. And this prayer is not a magic prayer. This prayer is just you, me helping you put to words what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your life. I'd love to lead you. Pastor, I want it to be now. I want to choose there's some students in this room. There's some grandparents in this room. There's some men in this room, some women. Let me lead you in this prayer. Just right where you're sitting, that you would say this, God, I confess that I've sinned and there's nothing I can do to save myself. And at this moment, I trust Christ alone for the forgiveness of my sin. I believe he died on the cross for my sins and he rose again. And the best I know how, I'm placing my faith in Jesus. Just pray that. The best I know how. Right this moment, this Christmas, I'm placing my faith in you. Oh, man, listen, there's many of you that prayed that just a moment. All heaven celebrates, and we do too. In fact, I'm not going to make you stand up or come down, but I'd just love for you. If you say, Pastor, I just prayed that with you across this room. Nobody looking around. Here in the South Venue, Pastor Dustin's with you. Nobody looking around. Just say, Pastor, I prayed that with you. Would you just lift your hand so I can pray a prayer blessing over you? Awesome. Just keep it up high. Yes, ma'am. I see you. Awesome. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Yes, in the back, I'm with you, my man. Yes. Yep, absolutely. Here's what I'm asking you to do. If you're raising your hand, I'm going to ask you to do this for me. At the end of our service, our prayer teams will be down front. I will be in the lobby. But would you do this? I know it's crowded. There's a lot going on. Would you text the words right now on the screen that you see? Text the word in Christ to 97,000. Many did last night. Text the word in Christ to 97,000. Just type the word 97,000 and text the word in Christ and our staff will follow up immediately with you and just give you a chance to celebrate with you. Would you do that for me? Text those words. I'll be in the living room. Staff will be down front. We'd love to pray for you. Church, will you stand with me across all this place? And before we end, can we just celebrate that we're adopted? Is that not the beautiful picture of the gospel that Jesus has brought us in? So, Father, we're going to end by worshiping you, the gift of Jesus, the Christ child. The baby in a manger became the king on the cross. And the king on the cross is no longer in a tomb. He reigns victoriously. And we worship and thank you that you made a way for us. That is Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us. We could not get to you, so you came for us. So we worship you, reminding each man and woman in this room, we don't earn adoption. We don't earn our way into the kingdom of God, 
into the family of God. We receive it.